Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, uh, we're in this series uh, called Thrive. We've been talking about unleashing our souls and experiencing a spiritual growth spurt. And we talked about our identity in Christ and really that the foundation of, of growing in Christ is understanding and believing that we are pleasing and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, that he loves us and that he is for us. Um, and on that foundation that we would continue to walk with him, that we know that we enter into the kingdom of heaven through repentance, we talked about that, and also understood that, that that's not a one-time deal, we continue living a repentant life. Uh, and we talked about what that could look like. Rob Basham did a great job last week talking to us about family sin patterns and, and being set free from those patterns. And today, I wanna talk to you about the topic of forgiveness it's a topic that's very relevant uh, for us. So if you got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you'll find one in the pew rack in front of you. And if you go to page 816, you will find Matthew 18. Um, and once you get there, if you're not used to finding your way around the Bible, you'll see on, on each of these pages, two columns. Uh, you'll see really big numbers. Those are chapters. Little numbers between the sentences, those are verses. So um, that kind of helps you find your place uh, there, as I'll read here in a few seconds. Um, when I was growing up in, in, in Malaysia at boarding school, um, there was this guy who sort of got on our nerves. You ever had someone like that in your life? Someone who just sort of got, just kind of repetitively just sort of irritated you, was a source of frustration. Uh, well, there's this guy at school. His, his name was Terry. He was an upperclassman. I was like in the sixth grade. And Terry's a pretty big, pretty, pretty big guy, tall. And um, what he would do to us middle school boys is he would sort of sneak up behind us on campus and he'd sort of wind up his finger and smack us in the back of the ear. So flick your, flick your ear. It would sting and it would hurt and you didn't know who it was. You'd turn around in anger like, you know, get this person and you see Big Terry and you're like, you step away because you're going to lose that fight. And he would do this, I mean, he'd do it in chapel, he'd do it on the campus and uh, one night in the dorm, there was about 20 to 25 of us in middle school, boys, and we had had enough of Terry's harassment. So we devised a plan uh, which we were going to pay him back. Uh, Terry's dad and mom taught at the school, and so he lived off campus. So we decided that the next morning, that when Terry was coming to school, that we were going to meet him at the gate to the school, and that we were going to surround him uh, and circle him and then tell him of that we're, we're, we're done with this. Enough is enough. And, and then we're going to participate in some payback. And so um, the next morning, the 20 or 25 of us uh, gathered and we walked out to the gate and, um, and Terry sh was showing up and uh, we brought with us some weaponry. This is why you need to pray for your missionaries. Their kids, they're, they need help. Uh, we're, we're standing around Terry. We got, we got Terry encircled and David, uh, he's a missionary kid from Indonesia. He's our spokesperson because he's the largest among us. And he says to Terry, we've had it. This 
flicking us in the back of the ear, is, is driving us nuts. Today it stops, and we're going we're to let you know that we're done with it, and we, the, the circle is getting tighter and tighter as David is talking. And we're about, we, we realize that when we, we make our first strike, some of us are going to get hurt. Okay, we, we know that. But the odds are with that many guys that while some are going to get hurt, that others are going to make Terry make sure that he, he feels the hurt. And so we're starting to tighten the noose, so to speak. And right when we're doing that, his dad walks onto campus, <laughs> inserts himself in the circle and says, hey, fellas, what's going on here? And uh, we all look to David. Some of us sort of slip out of the circle and head back to the dorm. <laughs> Uh, and uh, David says, your son is doing this. He's flicking our ears. We've had it, and we're, we're tired of him doing it. We're going to pay him back for this, and, um, and, and, and Terry's dad kind of calms us all down, and, and the, you know, the, the potential rumble disperses, but our message has gotten across, and this guy who's been a source of irritation for us, he sort of backs off for a while, and he stops uh, after this particular incident. You, you've probably had the Terry's in your life. You probably didn't, you know, Group, grab a gang of people to go after them. Um, but uh, you probably had a terrier or two in your life that just sort of bugged you in that way. In Matthew chapter 18, what, we, what we, we see here is that Peter likely had a terrier in his life because he poses a question to Jesus. And the question is this. How many times should I forgive somebody who sins against me? Peter likely has somebody in his life that, that has been a source of irritation. I don't know if it's somebody who's continued lying to him or who stole from him or disrespected him. I, I don't know. We don't know what the situation was, but there's something going on in Peter's life. There's someone who's a source of, of irritation, who's bugging him, who's harassing him, and he's wondering, how often do I have to forgive this guy? I mean, how much, when is enough enough? And, and when, when is a grudge justified? And so he he asks this question to Jesus, and then he says, he offers this, um, I'm guessing what it feels like for him is a pretty generous uh, idea. Is it, is it seven times? And some people chuckle because they, they know that the rest of the story goes. But I actually think that Peter is being generous. I mean, when someone, you know, sort of steals from you and then steals from you and then steals from you and steals from you, and you, I mean, it's like four times into it and you're forgiving and you're forgiving and you're forgiving and you're forgiving. You're, I mean, Peter's not, he's thrown out there a, a, a pretty decent number, seven times. Is, what do you think, Lord, seven times? I think he's offering a, a good helping of grace uh, as he's dealing with this source of an irritant and this person who's sitting against him and Jesus, hearing Peter's question, offers an answer and then tells a story. So I want to look at it. I want to read that. I want to read, read the answer and then read the story that Jesus gives in response to Peter's question. Uh, verse 22 of chapter 18. No, not seven times, Peter replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Hit the pause button there because you need to know that was fairly common practice in ancient times that if you couldn't pay back 
a debt, a financial debt, then what would happen is you would sell your property and if that didn't cover the debt, then you'd, you'd, you'd end up selling off members of your family, including yourself, and you would sell yourself into slavery for a predetermined amount of time to pay a debt that was owed. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is God's holy word. A question that prompts an answer and then a story. And in the story, Jesus tells us about this king and this servant who, who owns a staggering amount of money to this, this king. In the story, the king is God, as it's being applied here. The, the, the master, there's this enormous debt. This guy has this debt. He, there's no way he's going to be able to pay it back. In the original languages, if you kind of calculate it and you put it in modern day uh, numbers, what he owes is about $135 million. I mean, it's, that's a significant amount of money. $135 million. It's going to take you know, more than 1,000 lifetimes to pay something like that back. This is, a, I mean, this is an insurmountable, a huge amount of debt that this guy has. But he pleads for mercy. He's about to get in, sold into slavery and he's begging for mercy and he receives mercy. And then in the story, Jesus says that not too long after that, he actually goes out and comes across somebody who owes him some money, a few thousand dollars. Again, if you dig into the original language, there's there's an amount there, it's called a hundred denarii, which actually, a denarii is one day's wage, so it's about a third of of your annual salary. So if you make like $50,000 a year, that'd be like $13,500. But it's, it's, it's a chunk of change. But, you know, if you work hard, you could probably pay off, pay off that debt. But this guy goes after him, grabs him by the throat. This guy's begging for mercy, but he, the, 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 the creditor will have no mercy, throws the guy into prison, and the servants hear about it, and they go tell the master. And the master says, you know, I, I showed such tremendous mercy to you. Why didn't you show mercy? And then he takes this guy in the story, throws him into prison, has him tortured until the, the debt is paid. And then Jesus, this next verse is kind of the verse you want to erase from the Bible because it's, it's, it's a little bit strong. And this is what your heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Brian Cadella will touch that, that verse in a future sermon, I'm sure. Um, no, he's shaking his head no over there. Here's what's going on. And we'll put the question up here on the screen. 
Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Peter's got, a, he's got this person who's irritating them. How many times should I forgive? Seven times and not 70 times, seven. Here's the story. And what, what Jesus is trying to, get, to get, the, get Peter to understand is, look, you have been given an incredible gift. See, what's gonna happen is Jesus is gonna go to the cross and he's going to the cross having lived the life that you and I could never have lived, sinless. And he's gonna pay our sin debt. Because the wages of sin, the consequences of sin is death. He's, he lived the life that you and I could not live and he dies to death that you and I should have died. He pays our penalty for us. And what, what Jesus is trying to say, look, this massive debt, God the Father is the king and you are the servant who has been forgiven. You pleaded for mercy. You begged for forgiveness. And, and the Father in heaven has forgiven you that massive debt that a thousand lifetimes plus more could never have paid back, has been paid by my father. And now, because you've been forgiven so much, mercy has been extended to you, shouldn't you extend mercy? What Jesus is getting at here is forgiven people forgive. That's just, just the main idea of what he's saying. Forgiven people forgive. That when Jesus went to the cross, that all of us who have received this forgiveness from him, that, that we, at the cross, we lost our right to withhold forgiveness from other people. In fact, this, this whole idea is reinforced by the pages of scripture. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse uh, 32 says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, now catch this, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The basis of forgiveness is that we are a forgiven people. Colossians chapter three. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiven people forgive. People who've had a massive debt on the books of their life wiped away, they also wipe away, they cancel the debts of those that are people who, who owe them. Forgiven people forgive. Now, here's what I've learned about myself. You probably don't have this problem. I love mercy. See, when I make a mistake and I blow it, I sin, I love mercy. But for others, I prefer justice. <laughs> right? Mercy is, I mean, justice is to, to get what you deserve. Mercy is to get, you know, what, what you deserve is withheld. You, you, you don't, you don't get the justice. But for me, what I, what, I, what I prefer is I prefer mercy. For me, I beg for mercy. But for another people's case, I, I really want justice to be served. Now, some, uh, some months ago, Tree and I, uh, with a friend, went fishing uh, out by Tillamook. And um, the day fishing was, it was fun. And we're driving home. And um, as we're driving home, we're driving on this long stretch of road, and um, Tree and I, we, when we drive together, we often like to comment on each other's driving. It's just something we do, um, good-natured fun. And we're driving, and I'm zipping along pretty good speed on this, uh, this straightaway. And um, as I'm driving, I see a police officer coming the opposite direction. So, you know, the, we're, we, we pass each other, and as we pass, I look at my speedometer and I'm about doing 70, 71 miles per hour. 
Um, I, I had no idea what the speed limit was, but I, if I figured I'm probably going a little bit fast. I'm looking in the rear mirror, and I'm looking back at the police officer in that car, and he pulls over the side of the road, and he does a U-turn, and he pulls in, and you know, now, now he's coming in, in our lane. And that's when you're going, oh, Lord, may he have the call to someplace else. <laughs> um, and your heart beats a little bit faster. But I announced to those in the, in the truck, hey, um, we're probably going to get pulled over here. And sure enough, lights are flashing. I'm pulled over uh, on this little stretch of road uh, south of Tillamook. And the police officer walks up, and my window's down. He said, uh, sir, do you know how fast you were driving? I said, yeah, I was, I was like 70, 71 miles an hour. He goes, yeah, exactly. He said, uh, you know, license, registration, proof of insurance. Uh, I had two out of the three. I had my license. I had my proof of insurance. So I, you know, two out of three is not bad, hopefully. And I, I give them to the police officer. He goes back to his car, and we're waiting. And, you know, he's putting all our information into the computer and doing what uh, our officers do to keep roads safe. And he, he comes back up to the truck after some time. He looks at me. And says, uh, Mr. Fowler, what is it going to take to get you to slow down and drive more carefully? And I said, you know, um, I, I just got to pay better attention. I was doing 70, 71. I thought I was on the freeway. And, um, and, and, I, and I know the freeway is like 65, but I thought there's a window there. And the corner of his mouth sort of rises, and uh, I said, but, you know, this one's on me. I, I, you know, I was just going too fast, but I, I just need to focus and pay attention in the future. And he goes, well, I, I'd, I'd encourage you to do that. He gives me back my license and proof of insurance card and says, have a nice day. It hits me. He's not giving me a ticket. <laughs> and joy begins to flood my soul. I'm, I'm elated. My insurance is not going to rise. I'm not going to have to pay this fine. So I'm filled with joy. And then my wife says, with a tone of disappointment in her voice, I can't believe you didn't get a ticket. Because right? she's like, I, that would have been justice. And, and we, we, we joke about that, but I'm, I'm just like that, right? I mean, we, we, we do that. I mean, if you're driving down the road and somebody goes barreling past you, they're driving in reckless fashion and they go zipping by you and then later on down the road, you see them pulled over by a police officer? I mean, for me, I'm like, yeah, he got what was coming to him. But when I get pulled over, not, please, mercy, right? I like mercy more than justice. Which when I go to this text, what it tells me is I am the wicked servant. I'm the one who wants mercy, but will walk right out and exact justice on somebody. Friends, forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. This is, we've had this massive debt on the books of our lives that's been forgiven. That debt's been canceled by Jesus. And forgiven people forgive, which means that when, when, someone, when someone wrongs us, that, that really what, what, what Jesus is getting at in the story is that we have received incredible grace, grace and we must dispense grace. And to not forgive is, is, is to forget the cross. But the, the difficulty is, is that when we forgive, oftentimes the message is, the message that we've been told, you know, often we'll say when, when someone asks for forgiveness, oh, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it, it's all right. It's not a big deal. It's, it's okay. You know, I'm over it. So it's all right. 
And oftentimes what we do is we, we connect forgiveness to this idea that it's, it's not that big of a deal, it's okay, and uh, you know, just don't worry about it. And it's not okay. It's not, it's not all right. It, it does cause anxiety. It, it is something to be worried about. That man should not have raped you. That uncle should not have abused you. That business partner, he should not have embezzled those funds and betrayed you. You should not have been lied to. You should not have been manipulated. That marriage should have gone this way. Your dream of growing up in a secure home that was blown apart by divorce, that shouldn't have happened. It's not okay. And we talk about forgiveness. It feels like we're just saying we're kind of going to wink at sin and like, ah, no, no, not a big deal. It's a big deal. Which is why God would send his son and he would pay an excruciating penalty for all people. And he would lay down his life and he would endure such brutal treatment because it's not okay. But forgiveness actually in the language of the story that Jesus is telling here, forgiveness is to cancel a debt so that we can be unchained from the bitterness, from the anger, from the resentment that comes from the wounds that come our way in life. There's so much brokenness, there's so much fragmentation in our world today, and forgiveness offers the hope of restoration and reconciliation. Forgiven people forgive. The question that you have to ask, though, is how? We're talking about our souls thriving. And forgiveness is so key to this. And how, so how do we do this? And, and I just want to just offer to, to four quick steps of how you could create a bit of a, a pathway for yourself, a way to process the wounds of life. And sometimes those wounds come from things others do to you. Friends, sometimes this is a pathway for us to understand how to ask for forgiveness. And sometimes this is a pathway for us to forgive ourselves of the things that we have done, the shame that we're carrying around about our past. And it begins, this, this, the first step is pretty, pretty simple. It's, it's simply this, identify who owes you. Who, who owes you? And it sounds a little bit weird to say who owes you, but you have to, and from, the, from the story here, what you have to realize is that someone took something from you. You experienced a loss. Inside, it's identifying who that is. Who is that person who owes you? This may be a person who's no longer alive. This may be a person that is still alive, but there's no way you're gonna get in contact with them. There's maybe someone that's in your neighborhood or your workplace, your family. Who owes you? That, that, that one's fairly easy. Think about the things you grumble about. Think about the stories you replay, the, the conversations that you think of, you start fantasizing how you're actually going to engage in that conversation. You, you, you'll get the who. And then you move to the second part, and this is determining what they owe you. Who owes you? What do they owe you? And this just takes a little bit more work because you have to start digging into this a bit and reflecting. Um, and the reason this is important is because you, know, you were hurt specifically so you just can't slap a general statement on it and say, ah, it's okay. It wasn't okay. You lost something and you should grieve that loss. Now I was praying this week about, okay, Lord, can you just help me, give me an example of this so I can just share how this works. And immediately I had this memory flood into my mind. 
It was, it was a memory from when I was in college uh, on, on, our, on our college basketball team. We're at practice, and uh, we're all just shooting, and, um, and the coach is behind me, and, um, and I have this memory of the coach. He's behind me, and I, I shoot, and he, uh, he kind of chuckles. I can hear him laugh, and then he stops practice and asks all the team to come over to where I am and watch me shoot. Now, he's not calling the team to watch me shoot because I have such incredible form. He's calling the team to come watch me to point out my bad form. And so the team is around me and the coach says, okay, Fowler, you keep shooting away. So I'm, I'm shooting and shooting the ball and, um, and then I can hear him making his comments and then he is, uh, there's, there's some laughter and it, was, it, it, it felt kind of embarrassing and I felt a little humiliated and a little bit demeaned and, um, and it was public, it was in front of everybody and, um, and man, that memory just came like that as I was praying about that this week. It's over 30 years ago. This is how dysfunctional your lead pastor is. Uh, and you know what came with that memory? The anger and the resentment and the bitterness. It was right there. As soon as, as, soon as I had, hey, here's what was owed me. I was embarrassed publicly. I was humiliated. I was demeaned. And what is owed me, what was taken from me was my dignity. And I need to grieve that. I need to, that, that was wrong. This was taken from me. I need to understand that because that was a specific wound and just to slap this, this generalized statement, I, I forgive coach. I need to know what I'm forgiving him of. And if I'm having a conversation with someone, I want to make sure that I know, that if I'm forgiving someone, I want to make sure that they understand what they're being forgiven of. And you cannot do that until you grieve your losses. This is not about diving deeper into bitterness. This is about understanding the gift of forgiveness and what you're offering to someone. So you gotta identify the who, and then you determine what they owe you, and then you move to this third part. And take some time to get to this third part sometimes, and it's to cancel the debt. So this is what it sounds like in my scenario. Father, coach, publicly embarrassed me. And it, it stung. And I, I remember the humiliation, and he took my dignity and respect from me. He owes me that. But I'm canceling the debt. I cancel the debt. It takes time to get to that place. I gotta know what I'm, what I'm forgiving. I'm canceling the debt, which then leads to the final step, which is, even as hard, it's dismissing the case. Because here's what happens. I identify who owes me, I determine what they owe me, cancel the debt, and then it all comes back. Week later, I have the memory. Oh, I can't believe that person did that. And what you do, you say, no, that, that debt was canceled, I dismissed that case. That case is closed. And then a week later, it comes up again. No, I canceled that debt, I, I dismissed that case, that, that, that case was closed. And then it comes up again, and it comes up again, and it comes up again. And I keep saying, I'm taking captive my thoughts. I'm saying, no, I canceled that debt. That case is dismissed. I've processed that. Case closed. What I'm doing is I'm renewing my mind and, and refusing to pick up that offense again. Because forgiven people forgive. Not, not haphazardly, not without thoughtfully reflecting on what you're forgiving, 
But forgiven people forgive. And as you renew your mind, what you end up doing is unchaining yourself from the bitterness. What the hurt, friends, here's the thing. The hurt oftentimes, it, it may lessen, but that hurt may be there for the rest of your life. It just may be. But what you'll discover as you continually dismiss the case, the anger and the bitterness and resentment dissipates. It doesn't mean that a forgiven person gets full access again. Sometimes there's healthy boundaries that are put in place. The way I share this is that, when, you know, my kid, when they were little, had a little Sharpie pen, a permanent marker, and they're writing on the wall. I, I'm going to take, I'm, I may forgive them, but I can tell you what, I'm not putting that pen back in their hand. In some cases, when you forgive, it may redefine a relationship depending on what was taken from you. But forgiven people forgive. We've had a massive debt paid for by Christ. And to withhold forgiveness is to forget the cross. So here's how I want to wrap up today. I want to walk us through those four steps and I want you to walk through it with me. I've shared my own story of what I've done this week and what I, want, what I want you to do is I want you right now to identify someone, could be someone uh, that in this past week, could be someone, go, go far back as you want. And I, I identify the who, who owes you. And, you. and in this instance, you might want to pick something that's, uh, may, maybe it's not the, the major one, but maybe it's just a word that was spoken, uh, you know, something that happened in life that, you know, just, this person owes me. Okay, raise your hand when you got, when you, when you got, your, got your who. Got your who? Okay. All right, with me. Here's what I want you to do now. Bow your heads, close your eyes. You got your who. Now, now just pray something like this. Holy Spirit, would you help me see what was taken from me? What was taken, Lord? But for some in the room, peace is what was taken from them. Because there was all kinds of yelling and screaming, there was all kinds of anger, harsh words spoken. Peace was taken from them, security was taken. Lord, for some in the room, what was taken from them was, was peace and also, Lord, what was purity. That person took them down a path that they had no intention, no plans to go down. And innocence was taken from them. That relationship got more physical than expected. That person introduced us to pornography. Our health was taken from us because that person introduced us to something that was very addictive. you to take what was taken from you. I want you to put it in your hand. I want you just to make a fist around it. You can kind of isolate what, what that is.
And for some of us in the room, we, we need to maybe perhaps spend more time on this one, maybe even process it with a friend. But for some, we're ready for this next step. It's, we're gonna cancel the debt. So why don't you hold your hand out in front of you, that, that fist, and just, when you're ready, just tell Jesus that you're canceling the debt today and just open your hand and release it. Just release Now, Jesus, would you help those, Lord, who are they're still grieving that needs to take place. Some of these issues, are, they're just way too big. Time needs to be spent. Lord, we understand that forgiving people forgive, and so we want to be able to cancel that. And when we do, Lord, we need your strength. We need your strength to be able to, with our minds, just... Take captive those thoughts and say, no, 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 that, 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 was, that debt was canceled. I'm dismissing the case. Case is closed on that one. We're going to need your help. So quickly for us to kind of fall back into that pattern of anger and resentment. Would you free us from that? And, and Father, thank you so much for all that you've forgiven us of. It's, it's hard to imagine how much we owe you because our stuff feels so big. Oh, what, you, what we owed you must have been just, we must have broken your heart time and time again and thank you for mercy. Jesus, thank you for taking the justice payment of your father upon yourself when you went to the cross. We bless you, Lord, because you say mercy triumphs over judgment. So we look to you and we say you are good, we say you are compassionate, we say you are tenderhearted. Ah, oh, it feels so good to have a good dad. Thank you. Now, may the grace that you have given to us flow freely from us to one another and to our world. Today we say thank you and we love you. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.